once those layers start to peel back and people actually see who I am or, and what I'm about and my story, I think I resonate with a lot more people than just a basketball player. Welcome to Athletes Doing Good Podcast, sponsored by Robert Hack Diamonds. I'm Shelley Seward, president of Capture Sports Marketing. And I'm sports reporter Jen Latta. There is more to Damian Lee than just shooting guard for the Golden State Warriors. Growing up, he experienced his own adversities in school and on the basketball court. Now, many years later, he's committed to helping kids with similar challenges. Using basketball as a tool, Damian and the Lee Way Foundation work to inspire perseverance and confidence in youth across the country. Today, Damian shares memories from his childhood that have brought him to where he is today. Damian's passion to make a difference makes him another athlete doing good. To learn more about athletes doing good, visit CaptureSportsMarketing.com. All right, Damien, sometimes I like to ask people how they think the public sees them. When people hear your name, what do you think their perception of you is? Um, damn, right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think when people hear my name or see my name, I think first, you know, obviously it's associated with, with basketball. So, you know, most people are going to go the clickbait route and say, all right, Damian Lee, basketball player, Warriors, uh, Stephen, Seth, Dell, Sonia, Aisha, Callie, and my wife. But, you know, once those layers start to peel back and people actually see who I am or, and what I'm about and my story, I think I resonate with a lot more people than just a basketball player. My mom raised me, only child, grew up with my aunt, my three cousins, and I was the youngest, so I was like the baby. And then obviously from the basketball side, as well as my grandparents. But from the basketball side, I mean, it's perseverance. I battled my fair share of injuries, torn both ACLs, broken my shooting hand twice. I still stand today to be a professional athlete, and I never take those days for granted. The good days, the bad days, everything, I never take it for granted. But I think once people actually peel back the layers and don't just look at, oh, he's brother-in-law or son-in-law or this or that, that's when I think people really understand who I am, what I'm about. And I like to say that people like me. You talked a little bit about your mom, um, a Gulf War veteran, a registered nurse. What are some of the things she's taught you? Perseverance, confidence, knowing who you are and accepting who you are. And you don't have to try to be someone else or be something that you're not. Like I remember when I was younger, I would always you know, want to fit in and want to be with the cool kids and do kind of things and kind of strayed along a shaky road for a little bit. And I remember one time, like I got detention in high school, my freshman year for 75 days. I know because we took the teacher's TV. It was like one of the days where like teacher was bringing in a TV and me and this other kid, we just took the teacher's TV and moved it to another room. I'll never forget it. His name was Mr. Dolan. He was, it, and the worst part is like, it was, it was religion class at that. <laughs> no so we took the TV out and I got 75 days. The other kid got a hundred days. of 75 of, days of detention? Straight. Yeah. 75 days straight. I bet you never forgot that. Hey, <laughs> no, never. It was like, 
the end of that year, I started to straighten up more. And then, you know, once I transferred in my junior year, went to uh, a, a different high school that was in the Baltimore area, then, you know, I was on the straight and there. I was good. Damien, I love that story. Have you ever reached out to that teacher to let him know, like, what an impact that punishment had on your path? I have not. Actually, unfortunately, he was like in his mid, late 70s. And I want to say he passed away a couple of years after I transferred from that school. But yeah, it was, you know, just little things like that. I was born and raised in New York, then moved down to the Baltimore, like Maryland area, seventh grade. And then that adjustment there, getting bullied then and trying to stand up for myself and miss making new friends was tough. I mean, even then, sixth set, like seventh, eighth grade, I was getting like insult suspension, just acting out just because I didn't know who I was and what I really wanted to do. But my mom, my aunt, my grandparents always instilled confidence in me, even, you know, after those times. I love the challenges and how not only you persevered, but how you navigated through them, you know, and utilized even seventh, eighth grade high school, you're still utilizing the lessons learned then in your life today. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. My family, we always talk about how things come full circle. You'll go through something now that maybe you've gone through before. Maybe you've seen someone else go through it. You kind of learn through their experiences as well so that you don't have to make the same mistakes twice. So how did that impact your charitable path and your interest in being philanthropic? Obviously, you have, even in the few moments we've chatted with you, you've referenced some of the challenges you've been through, some of those, how it has created the person that you are today. So why was it important for you to find a way to give back? I really think it was important. I mean, obviously, with my mom, like that's one thing that she always wanted to do. She wanted to start up a nonprofit. She wanted to start giving back. And she was veteran. She was overseas, 90, 90, 91, and then had me in 92. And let's not say that I was planned either. So, <laughs> you know, had me. Uh, I was born. And then she kind of put her dreams on the back burner for me to chase my dreams and do anything that it took for me to, you know, even have a chance. Um, one thing that my mom always said was when you go to college, when you go to college, it was never a, if you go, maybe, you know, it's an idea. It was always instilling in me ever since I was, I can remember I was two, three, when you go to college. Um, so I think my charitable and my philanthropic stuff really starts from my mom, knowing what she did for me, knowing how she gave back, how she pushed her dreams to the side for me to be successful and try to attain mine. And this is kind of, you know, me paying it forward, living through her. But then also, as I stated, understand, like showing these kids that, yeah, like I don't live in the same time frame that you're living in with social media and all the pressures and the impact that that has. But I went through my own adversities and my own trials and I was bullied. So that's why the Leeway Foundation, we try to impact the kids that are in sixth through ninth grade, kids that are trying to find their ways, because we feel like that's you know, through that sixth and ninth grade is through sixth through ninth grade is really when you're trying to, you know, find who you are and become who you are. Um, I feel like when you're 10th, 11th, you know, you're sort of set in your ways and, you know, whether you're going to go to school or however your life, you know, continues to go. But, you know, those are the main targeted ages, grades that we're 
looking for and just trying to help instill confidence in kids. Um, you know, obviously we do stuff with basketball, but we try to teach them that, you know, basketball or sports can only take you so far. So we teach kids how to tie the tie. We teach them just, you know, cutlery, like what knife to use, how to eat it, how to cut a steak, just all these different things. And obviously we're still kind of small now, but we're still trying to, you know, learn and grow. I mean, you know, the main thing is using basketball as a tool to navigate you through life or sports as, as a tool to navigate you through life. And that's one thing that I've done. So it's continue about giving those kids that hope so that they can give it back to the next generation. I love that you're leaning on that space. I'm always reminded of the phrase, you don't know what you don't know, right? And so even you talking about like using cutlery and, you know, you've already referenced with us feeling like an outsider and not knowing where you fit in. It's incredible the things that can make you feel like a have not versus a have. When did you realize that it was sometimes something as simple as that, that you could teach someone and make them feel like they belonged? And that's tough. It was one of my first times since I've been a pro. I think that was when, like I said, you know, everything comes full circle. I think that was, that was when it, it really hit. It was a couple of years ago. Um, not going to say names, but I was one of my first years in, and one of my teammates, who was a rookie, didn't know how to really like cut a steak or how to. It was just just going at it. I think that was when it came full circle. Because, like, this is someone who's, you know, my comrade, my, my colleague, someone I go to war with every single day, and they don't know how to do something that, I mean, obviously, in certain communities, those things are bred and taught. I'm thankful that my mom taught me that as a young Black man of how to navigate. Whenever you look at people, you always look at them in their eyes when you talk to them. And if you don't want to look right at their eyes, it's a trick. You look right at the bridge of their nose. And it looks like that you're looking at them in their eyes. Um, is that uh, treat everybody the same from top to bottom? Um, it doesn't matter who they are. They could be someone that, you know, just got evicted or someone that's the president. You have to treat everybody the exact same. So I think just those sort of little things growing up. And then I think kind of the denouement of playing with a teammate and that aspect of not knowing how to, use a steak knife or which knife or which fork or which spoon it's kind of just made like everything kind of just at peace and was like all right like I know that we're doing the right thing I I love that Jen AIU's the I don't know what I don't know yesterday when I was talking with somebody I called for help and I think it's at any age whether you're sixth seventh eighth grade those things of being open to asking for help and being open to admitting, like, I don't know what I don't know. I love that aspect of what you're doing and how you're doing it. And I, you said it earlier, but using basketball as a tool, like what a powerful statement in that you're teaching kids, colleagues, <laughs> the everyday life because of basketball. Mm-hmm. Is there a youth or was there a camp or is there something that has stood out to you from a child standpoint of that kid that was like, okay, that was, that was like me or what an impact I've made on this child? Yeah. During the beginning of the pandemic, we were doing stuff. We partnered with two middle schools last May, I believe, because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So obviously that's something that's huge and being brought more so into the forefront now than ever before 
as my wife would say, when's the last time we went through a pandemic? <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's just trying to understand and how to navigate life. And, you know, we partnered with them and we're talking to middle school kids and, and just to see how, you know, in the beginning, I was kind of, you know, I like to do those type of conversations is just be an open floor. Like anyone can ask anything. Like we're all equals here. Don't look at me as, I mean, obviously I'm older, but don't look at me as an NBA player. Don't look at me as like, we're all here. We could throw all the cameras around, just have a fireside chat and just talk if we, if, if we were able to. And there were so many kids that were just overcoming, you know, things that they've been through talking and speaking out. And I think that really brought joy. There was this one kid, he, at the end of the call, there was this girl, I guess, that he would, he was like bullying or like picking on, you know, earlier in the year. And before the call ended, he wasn't talking or he would start to say, you know, something. And then another kid would like encourage him to keep speaking. He was like, no, 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 I don't deserve to talk. I don't deserve to talk. I'm not good enough. And then all these other kids that in his class were pumping confidence into him, telling him, like, no, be yourself, talk, it's fine, it's fine. He started the call with a Spider-Man mask on because he, he didn't want his face to be seen. He took the mask off with about 15 minutes left, and then he apologized to the girl that he was bullying earlier in the year and was like, I'll try my best to be better. Didn't say, like, I'm definitely going to be better or just blowing it off, but he said he'll try his best. And at the end of the day, for someone that's in the seventh grade, to kind of have that come to turn moment and understand that, yes, he's not perfect and that he has his own things that he has to work on, but to try to be nicer to other people. That, like, that almost made me cry. I, I mean, I did cry, but it almost made me like cry on the call because it was like, wow, to see that and to see how you know, genuine he was about coming around and trying to be a better person after our hour and a half call. Coming up, Damien shares with us what he and his wife are doing to raise awareness for mental health. But before he does that, I want to tell you a little bit about today's episode sponsor, Robert Hack Diamonds. For more than 72 years, Robert Hack Diamonds has been Wisconsin's most trusted and respected name, known for diamond engagement rings, wedding rings, and custom jewelry. With a commitment to customer service, Robert Hack Diamonds applies the highest level of professionalism and expertise while guiding you in your search for an expertly crafted, stunningly beautiful diamond. For store locations or to shop online, visit roberthackdiamonds.com. That gave me goosebumps. Top, yeah. <laughs> top of my head to bottom of my feet. So, wow, that is, is so, so, so impactful. And I know we're, we're close here on time, but you talked a little bit about mental health and we had the opportunity to work with Solomon Thomas from the 49ers whose sister died by suicide just about two years ago. And um, the campaign was End Stigma Change Lives. And just what you and your wife were talking about of being open about it, being honest about it, being willing to talk, being willing to be vulnerable to ultimately help people. Can you tell us a little bit about what you and your wife are doing in that space? Well, more so, I mean, my wife is, is that's, that's her space completely. Like that's everything that she's about. Sadal Curry Lee, uh, she, you know, mental health advocate. She's amazing. She, she's always talked about her journey. Uh, she played college volleyball at Elon university, had five concussions. So playing volleyball, getting one concussion, you know, life can change, but 
when you're an athlete, once you're at that five, six, seven mark, that's when, you know, a lot of stuff starts to change. And she could see, you know, sort of the change in herself over those years. And she's been completely open about it, I'd say, for the past almost four years. Just been open about her mental health journey, knowing, like, she's not perfect, but just trying to be the best person that she could be vocal and just talking about the things that she's gone through and continues to go through. And there's been so much support and she's made so many friends and so many other advocates that continue to talk out about it. Because I think that in, especially, you know, in the black community, it's pray on it, pray on it. Or, you know, you go see a therapist and they try to give you a couple exercises and you're like, all right, you're trying exercise, you're trying this, and you just feel like nothing's working. And then it's, you know, going into that space of talking to people or having conversations with people that are going through the same things that you're going through, or that are just willing to listen, not being afraid to cry. I think that's, that's been my biggest struggle is I try, to, I try to hold the weight of everyone else, and I try to be as fine as possible. But like, there, there have been times you know, in my life where I've, I've faced depression, I've been upset, and I just feel like my feet are in quicksand and my hands are grabbing on ice poles, and I just can't get a grip of anything. And obviously praying has, has done a huge joy for that, but I think you know, more so recently just speaking out about it, not just trying to be the tough guy in the room and the strong guy, but actually speaking out about it and getting those thoughts and ideas and those feelings off my chest has uh, actually helped me become you know a better me. I mean, I hope you realize that even you moments before we started to delve into the mental health conversation, you saying, I almost started to cry, delete, delete, delete. I actually did start to cry. Like even that sentiment right there is super powerful because a lot of people do feel like they need to censor their emotions. But by you saying, no, actually it did move me to tears. That's a step in the right direction for us, right? Because then people are acknowledging that things affect them emotionally. This has been really, really powerful. And I am so thankful for you sharing all of those, especially the mental health work that you guys are doing, you and your wife. But I want to end this on a high note. I want to end this on a light note. What do we got to do to get a reality show with your family? Okay, because there are too many superstars here that we are not getting a view of. So tell me what it's going to take. I'm going to put a package together. Um, all right. I'll, I'll talk to them. I'll have my people talk to your people. And I'm pretty sure we can figure something out. We'll just need a couple cameras. Uh, definitely East Coast. My family, my you know mom, aunt, all them. East Coast for, you know, Del, Sonia, and then we could figure, oh, obviously Seth, Kelly, and all them. Then we could figure out the West Coast and we could try to, I mean, even if it's just like a one-week thing, you know, we can we can try to get a one-weeker. Who would, who would we, after watching a week of that show, who would we say, holy cow, did not realize they were that Right, funny. like think about the Cavallari show, right? Like everybody, <laughs> Kristen Cavallari was the star of Very Cavallari and then Jay Cutler went and surprised everybody. So who would be the Jay Cutler of your reality show? To be completely honest, I gotta go with Seth. <laughs> I gotta go with Seth. Seth is, like Seth is really one of the funniest people in the world. Like he could just sit there and something could be going on. He could just look and make a facial expression. And I, I'm, every time he's around, I'm always trying to see, like, what's his reaction to something. <laughs> he is hilarious. Well, well, we'll get, to, you know, we'll all get to work here. We'll see what can happen. 
Definitely. <laughs> no, Let but, me know. Like I said, you know, your people talk to my people. We we can, you know, as as long as everyone's on board, and you know, we can try to figure something out. Oh. I, can't, I can't even imagine what family get-togethers are like for you guys. I can't <laughs> even imagine. There's so much star power. But, it, but again, look, we've done this for a long time. You guys are just normal people, right? Like you're just normal and you get together as family and then I'm sure hilarity ensues. Yeah, no, exactly. It's funny. Like I always talk about like, my mom or my wife or like what they say. But uh, like Sadell's biggest like tagline is she's an ordinary girl with extraordinary experiences. So. That's, That's like her thing. And I, I've, I've kind of taken heed to that. Like, yeah, like we're normal people. We just, you know, we do what we do. We love what we do at a high level and we do whatever we can to, you know, keep our family happy. That's amazing. And you guys make a tremendous impact. So thank you. Um, I, I truly hope that at some point you can pause and you can think about the impact that you're making. Um, and so many times that you're not even seeing the impact that you're making. So continue doing what you're doing and good luck on the court. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Athletes Doing Good, sponsored by Robert Hack Diamonds. Go to CaptureSportsMarketing.com to listen to our other interviews and to hear stories about the person behind the player and the people behind the team who are making an impact on others.